This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lottridge Anderson, Associate Professor of Finance at Mississippi College and President of New Perspectives. It's taxes this morning on Money Talks. We're going to be visiting with Mark Steber, the Chief Tax Officer for Jackson Hewitt Tax Service, uh, to give you some last-minute tax tips and help uh, as the April 18th deadline approaches. So you can give us a call this morning with personal finance questions or tax-related questions at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464 or send an email to money at mpbonline.org. So good morning, Nancy. Hope that you're doing well. Good morning. Any excitement the weekend? Oh my gosh, this week is exciting. Um, today is our uh, CFA forecast dinner tonight at the Jackson Country Club, which is always a big deal. And we have uh, panelists from across the country who will be coming in and talking to us about stocks and bonds and the economy. And we have this great meal. And um, I have a couple of extra seats at my tables. I have five tables there. And so I want to toss out to any of our listeners who might be interested in a great meal and a great time. 530 to 630 is our cocktail reception. 6.30, we sit down for dinner. By 8 o'clock, they have us out. Um, you'll need to call my office, and that's 601-991-3158 to get your name on the list. So the first call, you can get those two tickets, a nice meal, a good look at what's happening in the world of finance, and a good time. All right. Sounds like a, a good uh, evening. And again, you know, get all that in there, but out by 8 sounds like a... Yes, a out by 8. That's very important <laughs> for a lot of our folks who, you know, you know we got to get home before it gets too dark and, uh, you know, get into our jammies and <laughs> prepare for the next day. Exactly. Uh, any financial news to share? Um, well, again, I've come back to this dinner. We're going to have uh, views on what's happening nationwide. Last week, our CFA group had a luncheon with our state economists. So we got a view of the uh, economy for the state and we're facing a lot of cuts on our budget, but um, he looked back and for the first time in a long time, we're going to have two back-to-back years, 2015 and 2016, of positive economic growth. And so Mississippi is always kind of on the tail end. We are concerned about uh, some of these budget cuts and how they will affect us this year. Um, nationwide, um, just a lot of uncertainty right now. And uh, we did see that the Federal Reserve pull back on their forecast on our national economic growth from 1.8% to 1.3%. So still growing, but slow. All right. Very good. As I mentioned, our guest today, Mark Steber, the Chief Tax Officer for Jackson Hewitt Tax Service. Uh, Mark, uh, thanks uh, for joining us this morning. Good to be here. Great to talk to you both. Um, so the end of the tax season, a little extra th- this year, but it's April 18th. Uh, so if, what uh, what do folks need to know today uh, if they have not already filed uh, their taxes? I guess maybe to get on the stick, as it were. Well, and it's, a, it's an exciting year for taxpayers. A lot of good stuff in the tax law, a lot of favorable tax deductions and credits still in place due to some of the late legislation a year ago with the Extender Act. But with about 21 days to go, I, I would tell you, 
time is not running out, but it's certainly creeping up. And so uh, I would tell folks uh, it's probably a good time to start uh, getting their plan in place, locating their documents that they've, you know, squirreled away in a shoebox or an envelope, locate that prior year return, locate your favorite preparer and call them and, you know, make sure you're still on their agenda or their calendar and just basically get started. That That's the important point uh, because, you know, there's no real reason to wait in case you find yourself missing a document or, oh, gosh, I, I need a case one or there's some other element that you might need, a little extra time doesn't hurt. I really do encourage people to file early, uh, earlier than uh, March 28th to be sure. But being that we're here, it's now time or, you know, you really will start running uh, out of runway here very soon. Hey, Mark, what are some of those goodies you talked about from that um, extender from last year? Well, Nancy, a lot of good stuff in there, and, and a lot of folks perhaps don't realize that a, a lot of things were scheduled for expiration that were put back into place. And so some of the items that were put back in there is a tuition deduction, a teacher out-of-pocket deduction. But literally the tax code, and that's probably why we're talking about this, contains dozens and dozens of benefits, the least of which are some credits. And we'll talk about what are some great overlooked tax credits uh, from time to time, like education credits and the earned income credit. Uh, the savers credit, and then a variety of tax deductions that are available for folks uh, depending on you know their situation and whether or not they had a life change, they moved or got a new job or started their own small business. Uh, lots of those items in the 70,000 pages of uh, tax code. Oh, that's a lot. <laughs> that you just need to watch for, right? Yeah. So taxes are complicated, but it's, it's a great opportunity for folks to uh, put a little extra money in their pocket if they've not already done so. Can you explain to our listeners the difference between a credit and a deduction? Absolutely, and, and it's really quite simple. A credit's worth a lot more than a deduction. If you get a tax credit, say an education tax credit of $2,000 because you've got someone going to college in your, in your family on your tax return, that $2,000 credit is literally worth $2,000. Uh, it's a dollar-for-dollar value. Uh, some credits are even better than other credits in that some credits reduce your tax liability, and other credits, like the earned income credit and part of the child tax credit, are fully refundable no matter what your tax liability is, even if you reduce it to zero. Now, a deduction, on the other hand, equally valuable in terms of the benefit that it gives you on your tax return, but it simply reduces your taxable income and your tax liability. So think of it this way. A $2,000 credit's worth $2,000. Say you donated a $1,000 during the year to your church or your synagogue or your mosque, that $1,000 charitable donation, it reduces your income by 1000 So depending on what your tax bracket is, say you're in a 25% tax bracket, that $1,000 deduction is worth about $250. So credits are dollar for dollar. Deductions simply are worth whatever your tax rate is times that. But they're still both valuable on your tax return, and taxpayers overlook literally hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars, in benefit each year by going too fast or waiting to the last minute or not talking to someone who can help understand what they might qualify for. We're visiting today with uh, Mark Stever, the Chief Tax Officer for Jackson Hewitt Tax Services. Uh, it's about taxes today, but also we'll take any personal finance questions that you might have for us. Um, Mark, when uh, people, you know, uh, filing returns and that sort of thing, what are some of the common mistakes that uh, folks can kind of look out for so that they don't uh, fall victim to these common mistakes? 
Great, great question, uh, Kevin. And, and mistakes kind of fall into two or three buckets. Uh, and I'll start off with the easy ones, the ones you know of the olden days, if you will. And you know, you have mathematical mistakes. You calculate your tax wrong. Uh, you, you might key in something incorrect on your tax return. A lot of those have been eliminated with the advance of technology. So computers solve a lot of that problem of of the computational error. Uh, but the second error is really one of transposition. You you meant to put in this number and you put in that number. That might not get picked up so quickly, you know, even by a computer. Uh, mistakes like putting in the wrong Social Security number or entering an incorrect address or having an incorrect address on file with the IRS so you, you don't get a notice or you don't get your refund check or what have you, those also happen and can be overlooked by you know any kind of security safeguard. But the single biggest mistake that I see in my you know 30-odd years in taxes is, is one that catches a lot of people off guard. The biggest mistake that most folks make today, and it's very common, in fact, very, very common, is that they simply leave off a tax benefit from their tax return. Uh, a lot of folks think that taxes are kind of a zero-sum game. It is what it is, and there's not much latitude for movement, and you did all these activities during the year, and you earn this money. Your tax liability is this, and your refund or the amount you owe is this. Well, that's not simply the case. We're on the self-assessment system here in the United States, which means you're responsible for putting everything on your tax return that you know of and that you've in, you know, incurred during the year. The IRS and states are really good at picking up stuff that you leave off that you owe money, like that job you did or the wages that you earned or the interest or the dividends. But the IRS is not set up for, and they don't do a good job of finding a deduction or a credit that you've left off your tax return. So the biggest mistake that people make today is leaving a tax benefit off their tax return and thinking that's somehow going to get caught on a back-end review by the IRS or someone. Leaving off a benefit means it generally stays off your tax return, and that money is generally gone unless you find it later and go back and amend. So the biggest mistake, Kevin, that I see is when folks hurry along or rush or, or just try to get their taxes done, but don't take full advantage of all the benefits that are in the tax code that might apply to them. And taxes are complicated on the easiest day, but if you've had a life change, if you're taking care of a dependent or a dependent parent, or you've got someone going to higher education, or you've started to become one of these Uber drivers or gig economy folks, there's a lot of really juicy benefits in the tax code that are yours by right or by law, and folks just tend to overlook those to get it done and get that out of the way and might be leaving off hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of dollars in some cases. And so I guess uh, the, when you have a, a situation that changes, as you mentioned, you know, kids in college, that sort of thing, uh, that might be the time that for maybe a year you would maybe seek professional tax uh, assistance. Well, I always tell folks, you know, it, it's a, it's a, you know, an interesting idea to do your own taxes. But whether you do them or not, and I'm not here to to shill for the paid tax prep business. We have our own online product here at Jackson Hewitt. But I will say that most folks that uh, you know have any type of financial sophistication generally have a couple of three things, right? They know a good attorney. And they have that in their pocket for legal questions from time to time. They know a good doctor, you know, that you might need from time to time. But most financially savvy folks also have a tax person that they can call upon, whether it's to ask a question about a law or a change or a situation that might apply uh, to do their taxes is the way I recommend it. But most importantly, to look over their stuff. And I don't mean your Uncle Charlie, unless he's actually a, a tax professional. I mean someone who is trained 
and experienced and up-to-date on all the laws that change every year and some at the last minute that can help you navigate you know, a unique situation or a common situation that applies to you every year, uh, but to get the full advantage of the tax law. And laws change you know, every year. There's no question of that, and it seems to be the pattern later and later and later. So, so everyone should have a tax professional in their, their smartphone Rolodex to be able to ask, does this apply to me? Do I get this? Do I need to worry about this? Do I need to watch for this? It just pays dividends over the long run because sooner or later, whether you get married or you have a child or you send someone to college you know, or whatever the case may be, there's probably a tax benefit in there. And some of this great software and the stuff that you can do on your phone is great to enlighten and, and make you aware, but I don't find it fully always takes advantage of all the different nuances in the tax code. So, so having a human, a person, someone who's familiar with that type of a situation, that, that can add lots of dollars to your tax refund every year. And even if you don't do it every year, you, know, you should every three or four years take your tax returns, have the free review that our company and others offer and actually get one prepared and see if it looks like the ones you've done yourself and make sure you just not missed something that can really put extra thousands of dollars in your pocket. And I think it's important if you have a business to get some help. Uh, A CPA is really invaluable to that business person. And it could be that your business is just a business on the side, but it can get complicated with tracking all those things and understanding what you can expense to lower your tax liability. Absolutely, Nancy. Uh, There's probably no more beneficial section of the tax code than the tax business rules, right? There's lots of deductions on everything from depreciation and amortization to travel expenses to the you know business lunch to gifts. I'm often impressed by how many types of deductions that are available, but I'm often disappointed at how many folks who do their taxes themselves or do their side business themselves and for whatever reason, they may even leave income off their tax return thinking they're being clever because it's cash and I don't have to report it, which is, of course, wrong to begin with. But more importantly, what I tell folks is you may be leaving off some income thinking you're, you're pretty clever because you got paid in cash, but you're probably leaving off two or three times that amount and the amount of deductions that you might otherwise qualify for if you did it right. So small business is certainly one of those areas whereby you know a good professional can pay for themselves. Now, even if you have a small business – like I say, the gig economy is just exploding with folks who do work on the side. They qualify for the same business deductions that the big companies do. Perhaps your form might be a little different. You put it on your individual tax return. But the benefits are there in the law all the same. And knowing where those are can make the difference between making a profit you know, or losing your, you know, your business because you really didn't realize that there's some tax benefits that can cut that you know, burden out and perhaps even pay some benefits and offset your other income. So, so if you've got a small business or any life change for that matter, it really does pay dividends to have a tax professional to help you navigate both your federal and state requirements and some of the rules you don't want to run afoul of and get caught for sales tax or whatever. But most good tax folks will find you the way to pay for themselves by putting extra benefits on on your tax return. And if you don't have that person, you probably need to find another person because there's lots of benefits in there. And small business, to your point, is one of the best areas to engage a professional. We need to take a quick break on Money Talks this morning. We're visiting with Mark Stieber, the Chief Tax Officer for Jackson Hewitt Tax Services. Uh, at the bottom of the hour, 930, we'll open up the phone lines for your tax questions. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven. 672-7464. You can send us an email. It's money at mpbonline.org. Back with more of the show after this.
Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, Associate Professor of Finance at Mississippi College and President of New Perspectives. We're also visiting today with Mark Stieber, the Chief Tax Officer for Jackson Hewitt Tax Services. So it is tax day, but we'll also take some personal finance questions if you have one for us. Uh, let's. Uh, why don't we open up the phone lines for your tax questions? Uh, the number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. Our phone number is one eight seven seven. Six seven two seven four six four. You can also email the show money at mpbonline.org. So, Mark, let's talk for a minute about uh, withholding. I know uh, some people like the idea of getting a big refund uh, if they get one, uh, but that had, uh, can also, if uh, you don't do your withholding right, could also, I guess, result in a larger tax bill. So tell us about withholding and maybe some guidelines what people should think about when, when doing that. Well, that's a great topic. Love the topic, uh, especially when it dovetails into refunds and, and, you know, what people should do and do do. Uh, what I would start off by saying is, uh, you know, nine or three out of four taxpayers, 75% of taxpayers get a big refund every year. And so most of them are pretty happy with that. The other 25%, either by design or by surprise, you know, don't get a refund. And so don't rub it in. Don't rub it in, Mark. What I would tell folks is it's something that is completely within your control. And everybody says, I owe every year. What I always tell folks is, well, maybe you should up your withholding a little bit. That's a little pain each paycheck, but then you can be assured of that big refund at the end of the year. Uh, but what the real question I get often, Kevin, is, is a big refund a good thing or a bad thing? Mm-hmm. And it's really a personal decision. You certainly don't have the use of your money throughout the year. But in my 30 years, I've never had anyone hug me when I say, hey, you had the best use of your money all year. You owe $1,000. Now, I've had many people hug me when I say, hey, you're getting $1,000 or $2,500. And so what I tell people is you, you kind of have to look to your own you know, situation and see if a big refund is something that you're comfortable with and that is kind of your way to save. And so a big refund is not a bad thing uh, if you, in fact, use that refund money to do financially prudent things like pay down debt, squirrel a little bit away for savings, you know, perhaps even treat yourself to a benefit because you did do some good stuff during the year that got that big refund. But for folks who don't, you know, want to have a big refund or don't want to have to pay, Nancy, uh, you should see your, uh, you know, payroll person in your company if you're an employee and simply adjust your withholding using your W-4. And the state has a similar one, especially in Mississippi. And so you can increase your withholding or decrease your withholding as you see fit. And then what I tell folks is, and this is probably a, a better summer advice, is about midway through the year, I like to tell folks about July, because you take your June 30 pay stub or your June 30, you know, small business statement that you've been working on for six months, and that gives you kind of a halfway point. And then you double that, and and we can talk in another program about how to estimate what your tax return will look like. But the long and short of it is, if you take halfway through the year and estimate out the rest of the year, taking into account any life changes, you can kind of see where you should come out. And then you do that again in about December, and then you shouldn't have any surprises. But for those that have already gone past the December 31st point, and they're worried about saving or they're worried about paying or they're worried about their refund, you know, another good reason to start early. Uh, if you get a refund and you file the next, say, day or two or week, you know, you can get that money started on its way to you. If you owe, you still do not have to pay until April 18th. So you can do your taxes now. You can even file your taxes now. And then you can write that check or have your account debited, you know, as late as uh, April 18th. And you still have some time to make an IRA contribution and perhaps even move your income down a little bit. But but for those who get a big refund, don't sweat it. As long as you use the money wisely, that's okay. If you do owe, uh, I would 
say this, there are many, many different alternatives and paths. The IRS has got payment plans available now, uh, a lot of different ways that that can be done. So uh, owing is uh, you know, not a good thing, but good news is it's only about one out of four taxpayers. Uh, and if you do owe, there are ways to get that money paid. Uh, but if you do that refund, no real reason to wait on getting your money back. Uh, it's sitting there in the government treasury. Go ahead and file and get that refund as soon as possible. All right. Looks like we've got some questions lined up. So why don't we start in Oxford? Karen has called in today. Good morning, Karen. Hi, Karen. Are you with us? All right, Karen, three, two, we're going to put you on hold. Hopefully we can get that call worked out. Let's continue on now. How about PJ in Bay St. Louis? Good morning, PJ. Hey, good morning. How are y'all doing today? Doing good. What do you have for us? Good. Um, I just wanted to give a shout-out. Uh, I called your radio station last month. Right. I was a gold member with uh, Jackson Jewett, and uh, I had a concern on my 2014 uh, tax return whereupon I was uh, uh, audited. And I spoke there on the radio station with uh, Mark, and I made contact with Mark because he gave me a phone number. And from that point, uh, Mark and his professional team have reached out to me on multiple occasions to resolve my issues. And Sandra, who is the franchise manager in Laurel, Mississippi, with her exemplary staff, they assisted me in every one of my needs to help me get this situation resolved. And I want to give a a gold star to Mark and uh, Sandra and their professional team at Jackson Hewitt for helping me out. All right. Boy, that's great to hear. Yeah. Thanks for the call, PJ. Well, hey, you, Mark. PJ. Yeah. That, that was kind of an awkward situation earlier. We had a misstep and a miscommunication. So, uh, as I said on the call, and I appreciate the comments, you know, and that's another good reason why we always recommend that if you have an issue, communication is the best you know, approach. We all try to do good work in all of our venues. And so if you have an issue, you can always escalate and move it on up. And, and you'll find that most folks will, will try to serve your clients. And that's why you want to select when you're doing a, uh, you know, prepare selection. Find somebody you know. Find somebody you trust. Ask your friends. Read the Yelp reviews. There's a lot of tax preparers out there. And, and you want to pick the one that fits you best. You know, there's ones with, uh, to your point earlier, Nancy, there's people with experience on small business. There's people with experience on education credits. Be sure you've got the right person that kind of marries up to your situation, and you'll get a better tax outcome from something like that. Plus, the relationship's better. It's a long-term relationship that I always tell people when you're starting to find a tax pro. And you want to start out by finding someone who's got the training got the experience, got the background, but then that matches your needs, and that may change over time. It may change as your life gets more complicated or more simplified. So be sure you start out right and, and continue to improve on that relationship. You'll have a better bottom line on your tax return. All right. Good for PJ to get that worked out, and thanks for calling back, PJ. That was good of you to do so. Uh, let's go next. We've got AJ uh, calling in from the Delta this morning. Good morning, AJ. Hey, good morning, guys. Very timely program. Thank you. I have a question for Mark. I'd like to ask about sales taxes. When a taxpayer itemizes on a 1040, um, is, is there an opportunity for a sales tax deduction for sales tax? Hey, AJ, yep, that is a great question. And back to something Nancy or Kevin asked earlier about some of the things that people overlook. It's a, a little-known fact that on your tax return, if you itemize your deductions – now, you do have to itemize, AJ – but if you itemize – as it relates to taxes, you get to pick one of three, the best of three. You can deduct either your state.
state income taxes on your federal income tax return, and that works well in about 42 or 43 states that have an income tax. But as I live in Florida, we don't have an income tax, so there's no real benefit for me on that line. But then you're given the option of two different choices. You can deduct either the sales taxes you paid throughout the year, if you want to go through that headache of keeping the receipts, and I, for one, do exactly that because I have found that I pay a lot of sales tax here in Florida for food and items. But alternative three is the IRS has tried to make it easy on taxpayers. They've also said, we've got some tables. You can just kind of pick your income level, and they'll tell you what the IRS estimate of your average sales tax is, and you can put that on your tax return for the ease method. So you've got your actual state income tax you paid as a deduction, or the actual sales tax you paid if you've kept up with that throughout the year, or you can take the table amount. But yes, sales taxes are a really great deduction, especially for taxpayers who live in non-income tax states like Florida or Texas or Nevada. And so it's one that's often looked over and sometimes forgotten about, uh, especially in the speed of, of tax preparation. But if you're a taxpayer who itemizes, be sure to look at that sales tax item and see which one gives you the best result and talk to your tax pro about it, and maybe they can give you some advice because there's even a footnote on the three that I gave. If you've made a large purchase during the year, car, boat, RV, home improvement, you can even modify the table amounts and get an even fourth option. So there's a lot of latitude on the sales tax deduction under the code right now, and it really can give you a nice boost on your tax return if, in fact, you either kept those receipts or you have documentation that can prove what you paid during the year, or at a minimum, you just take the amount on the table, and you get the best of the, the three or four t- options. And so it's a really nice pickup uh, on that tax return. It can help reduce your income tax and boost that refund for you. All right, AJ, thanks for your call. Let's move on next. We've got uh, Wayne in Meridian. Go ahead, Wayne. You're on the air. Yes, um, I'd like to get a better understanding of it on the alternative minimum tax and also on, uh, if you could explain whether the 529 would be a good uh, selection for an adult wanting to go back to school. Great questions. And that, unfortunately, alternative minimum tax, for listeners that aren't familiar with that, it's a provision in income tax law that's kind of a gotcha point. And it was put in way long ago, about 30 years ago, when uh, one of the uh, presidents had determined that some high-income taxpayers or a lot of high-income taxpayers were not paying what was deemed their fair share, either through deductions or loopholes or partnership pass-throughs. So they passed this legislation to try to capture you know, high-income taxpayers that are taking what I will call artificially reducing tax items. Now, they're all legal and legitimate, but there came to be this position that everybody should pay some portion. And unfortunately, the alternative minimum tax has grown over the last 20 and 30 years, so now it captures a lot more than just those high-income one percenters. It can catch just about anybody that's got pretty moderate income, fifty or $60,000, but then that has you know, substantial deductions like uh, you know, a large family, and so you've got lots of exemptions, or a mortgage interest, or a large charitable donation. You have to do this secondary tax computation to make sure you paid this minimal amount, and it has crept up so that it sneaks up and bites a lot of taxpayers unexpectedly. So uh, if you're in any way, uh, you know, in a large deduction, you know, profile, that is, so you got a lot of deductions on your tax returns, real and uh, even pass through, like from partnerships you're probably at risk a little bit about it. But to ignore it is a very big risk because the IRS does their own computation when they get your data. And if you've not paid your AMT or your alternative minimum tax or your 
tentative minimum tax, that's when you get one of these surprising notices. But it's usually not good news that we have to deliver to taxpayers and say, oh, you, you got a lot of deductions on here. You owe a tentative minimum tax. You're going to owe some more money. All right, I, I say it captures more and more taxpayers every year. It's a really bad thing. Okay, I'm going to step in with the 529, and uh, Wayne, that's going to be the MAX program here in Mississippi, M-A-C-S, Mississippi Affordable College Savings Plan, and I think um, it will work up until age 35. So your adult, it depends on how old they are. But if you want to be sure, go through the um, Mississippi Treasurer's Office, and you can then move on through to their 529 plan, and there's going to be a frequently asked questions, and it will tell you about what those guidelines are. It's much more flexible than just the um, the plan that covers tuition, but um, I think it's 35 is the cutoff. All right, Wayne, uh, thanks for your call. We need to take uh, another break. Uh, we are on Money Talks this morning, visiting with Mark Stieber, the Chief Tax Officer for Jackson Hewitt Tax Services. If you have a tax question, we've got some open phone lines, so call us at one eight seven seven mpb ring Our number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We'll be back with more of the program after this. From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, Associate Professor of Finance at Mississippi College and President of New Perspectives. Visiting today with our guest Mark Stieber, the Chief Tax Officer for Jackson Hewitt Tax Services. We're talking taxes today. We've got some open phone lines. So if you have a tax question, you can call us at 1-877-MPB-RING. The phone number is 1-877-672-7464. Back to the phone lines we go. We've got uh, Karen in Oxford. Good morning, Karen. You're on the air. Good morning. I'm sorry about earlier. No problem. Go ahead. Um, uh, my adult son is a uh, college senior, and he filed his own taxes at 1040Z, or easy, and then he got a notice from the IRS, an 8296, about the health care uh, premium. And, of course, he brought it to me and said, can you understand this? And I absolutely cannot. I have never seen a form that has so many... Uh, calculations. Are you familiar with that uh, credit for the Obamacare or the health care? Uh... Yes, the Affordable Care Act created a whole new filing, uh, you know, requirement, Karen. And so the 8296 is merely the premium tax credit that uh, taxpayers get as part of the subsidy, uh, one of the more controversial elements of the, the, the tax law. But basically, you know, taxpayers who are in a certain income level can qualify for subsidies to help pay for their insurance. So I don't know if your son is listed on your insurance program or if he's 
you know, not, but as he's filing his own tax return, the IRS thinks he's a standalone tax filer. So on tax returns, you have to indicate, one, you either have insurance coverage, or two, you're exempt from that. And there are certain religious groups that are exempt and certain other categories that are exempt. Or three, that uh, you pay the penalty. And and each of those has a filing requirement associated with it. And so if he's got the 8692, uh, it's probably indicating that he you know either didn't have insurance and has to explain that, or perhaps he qualified for a premium tax credit because he purchased insurance either through the federal or state marketplace. And so it's something that's pretty easy to get fixed depending on his facts and circumstances. If he had insurance and insurance coverage, you know, that's one scenario. If he bought insurance through the marketplace, he merely has to put the form on his tax return, the 8962, you know, to indicate that he had insurance, he qualified for subsidy, he got some subsidy, and then they make you do this reconcilement. But let me be able um, to walk into- let me jump in. Karen, um, I'm assuming he's under 26, right? No, he is. He's an adult, and it is for the proof of insurance through the marketplace. Okay, there's a calculation of uh, that you must do on that form. It's not just simply sending in his 1095. And uh, I'm having difficulty doing the mathematical. Well, I mean that may be a case where, as Mark said, you might want to seek some professional help with that, and especially if this is. If it's a subsidy that would be available to you, then it would certainly pay for itself to do that. And it sounds like to me, you know, Karen, that he didn't complete his premium tax credit reconcilement. He left that form off. And so if you have insurance through the marketplace, you not only have to say, I have insurance, you got to kind of reconcile what you owed in the way of premiums and what the the federal government was going to grant you. And they just want to do the reconcilement, and it could work out to his benefit. But but, uh, Nancy's exactly correct. Uh, Tax Pro could probably help you walk through that in a very short order and get that form sent in as part of the response. I agree. I've never seen a calculation, uh, you know, a, a form that you send individuals more difficult than that. And, you know, so I, I threw my hands up, and that's what I told them. I said, you need to go to a preparer because I can't do it. All right. But I appreciate well, it should be a pretty simple fix, though. I'll leave you with that. It's not a Herculean thing once you've done, you know, several hundred thousands of them. So I would say it's a pretty quick uh, fix for most anyone. All right, Karen, thanks for your call. Let's uh, move on. We've got next uh, Kevin's on the line from Cleveland. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning. Thank you. Um, yes, I just had a quick comment. I know we have a lot of terrific AmeriCorps volunteers throughout our state, and I think something that not a lot of people realize is the education stipend that those members receive as a result of successfully completing AmeriCorps. Unlike other forms of grants or scholarships, that is actually taxable income. And I really think we need to look at reforming that, uh, but in the meantime, that is taxable income that, that I think people should be aware of. Yeah, that's unfortunate, Kevin. That's one of those gotchas. I see that as well as unemployment for folks who become displaced and they go down and file for unemployment benefits. In many cases, they don't realize that that's taxable. And a lot of these have the gotcha factor that folks don't realize that it may seem like it's something that should not be taxable. And they may not even include it on their tax return, especially if they do it themselves or hurry through it. But unfortunately, that information is shared generally with the federal government, the IRS, and states. So leaving it off, back to some of the early points we made, 
that's just going to get you a notice and a letter and, and your point's right maybe it should be maybe it shouldn't be and that's certainly you know a bigger you know discussionary topic but if it's supposed to be taxable and you leave it off odds are good the irs will find out about it and will ask you about it and, and that usually yeah, leads you towards the oh and AmeriCorps will report yeah. it well if you spend more than 600 in a particular year but yeah, I know AmeriCorps itself is on the chopping block. So if uh, if you benefit from the AmeriCorps program, um, I hope you'll also call your your legislators and encourage them to continue supporting that program as well. All right, uh, Kevin. Uh, thanks for the call. Good uh, good uh, point there to bring out. Let's uh, move on. It's a busy day here on Money Talks with our tax expert Mark Steber. Next on the line, we have got Diane, who's called in from the coast today. Good morning, Diane. Good morning. My question is, is there an age at which the federal tax rate is reduced, say age 65 or 70? Uh, sadly, the tax rates, Diane, in America are based on your income level under the graduated scale. It would certainly seem likely that, you know, a senior or someone who's paid taxes throughout their life should be due a lower tax rate. But unfortunately, there is not a lower tax rate uh, for seniors. But I will say this, there are other benefits that are senior and age specific. For example, there's a larger standard deduction that's available for seniors. There's a more beneficial uh, you know, uh, uh, medical expense deduction that's available for seniors. So there are some perks in there. But as to your question, just on the tax rates, there's no uh, rate differential that is age-based, but but it's a good point though, and I, I would throw out to this. Wait, uh, wait, wait, that. wait, wait. I'm gonna I'm gonna dispute that because I always say that life is backwards, and that when you get older, that's when you have more income, more assets, but you don't have all those expenses, namely children. Um, so um, I, I don't have a problem with older people not getting a tax break. Um, I think our younger families need it more. I would not argue the point with you at all, Nancy. All I'm saying is right now we don't have a uh, age-based differential. We do have some other perks in there, to be sure. Well, but you get a you get a break I, on on property tax here in Mississippi. Well, so that's, that's a huge help. Also, but the one thing though that that seniors are particularly disadvantaged are a lot of times they have paid down their mortgage uh, or paid off their mortgage to that degree, and so they don't even get to take an interest deduction or or, or itemize as usually the outcrop of that. At the same time, they're starting to see perhaps increased medical expenses. So seniors are particularly sensitive to what I will call uh, life change volatility on their tax return. You you might very well not get one deduction, but you might get another one, even though you wouldn't think you would, like medical. You know, that's when you have tendencies towards very much you know, higher medical expenses. But if you don't itemize, you might not think you get that. Well, it may very well be the case that you've had a catastrophic illness. Your medical is so high that you might very well be able to itemize with medical alone. So well, seniors what, in what, particular. What I know, see with uh, a lot of what I see with a lot of seniors is that um, they may lose that mortgage interest deduction because their house is paid off and they don't have those other things. So the standard deduction tends to be well within their what they need. And so that that's just what they do. It's just the standard deduction. Yep. And it's a little bit higher for, for seniors is the, is the point that I would throw out to you. And there's another perk that I think is also pertinent to seniors, unless we have another call waiting in the line, Kevin, is that uh, seniors that are over 70 and a half, now that's a, a much higher senior level than, than many seniors, but they have the ability to do a direct transfer from their individual retirement account into a charitable donation, which has several benefits. So if you're a senior that's 70 and a half or older, 
be sure if you're making charitable donations and you don't otherwise you know know about this IRA direct transfer you can take some of your required minimum distribution directly allocate that to a charity you don't have to claim the money as income you wouldn't ordinarily get the charitable donation anyway if you don't itemize so it gives you a nice perk on your tax return by not making those RMDs or required minimum distributions taxable but you can get money to your favorite charity and uh, you know avoid kind of some of the tax bite of having to take that money out of your IRA pay tax on that and then donate money to a charity for which you don't even get a charitable donation. So, right. so if, you, if you're doing rollover, it's a really nice benefit. Yeah, we do that a lot for our folks who are just simply using that standard deduction. And so that's a great way to bypass all of that. We need to take one final break this hour. Today on Money Talks, we're visiting with Mark Steber, the Chief Tax Officer for Jackson Hewitt Tax Services, and we're answering your tax questions. Uh, still have some time and some phone lines available for your tax question at one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven. We'll be back to wrap up the program with your tax questions after this. Information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. Nancy Lothar-Janderson, Associate Professor of Finance at Mississippi College and President of New Perspectives. It's Tax Day on Money Talk, so we're visiting today with Mark Steber, Chief Tax Officer for Jackson Hewitt Tax Service. Uh, we've got uh, three calls left, so let's see if we can't work through these final calls in this last segment of the show. We will start again in Starkville as we say good morning to Janet. Hello, Janet. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Sure, go ahead. I have a, a quick two-parter, hopefully. The first part, I think I heard you say that you can use home improvements for a tax write-off. Is that true? Well, no, not really the tax write-off, Janet. You can take the sales tax portion of your home improvement, and and if you're not already taking the uh, sales tax deduction, if you itemize, if you're comparing the state income tax versus the uh, specific sales tax you paid versus the table amount, you can add sales tax for large purchases like a home improvement to the table amount to get the sales tax deduction on the tax as part of your Schedule A, if that makes sense. Okay. It's one that sneaks up on people a lot of time. You get to deduct the sales tax. A gentleman asked about deducting sales tax earlier. Right. Uh, the okay. sales tax you can add to the table amount or your actual amounts, and it usually is one that tends to creep up, especially if you're doing a large renovation. So we always look for that one when we do our, our folks' taxes or purchase like okay. a boat or a car or an RV. Okay. And the second one is uh, if we make monthly payments, uh, it's the first year we've ever had to um, pay taxes back, 
uh, are there monthly payments? Are there, um, what do you call it, interest on that? Well, uh, you're talking about with the IRS, like under an installment plan? Yeah, an installment plan. Is there interest to be yep. paid on those? Ooh, yep. If you're under an IRS installment agreement, and they have some really nice ones for you know low-income amounts that you owe, say less than 50000 or even higher than that, they'll put you on a five-year plan, and there's some other specifics on it. Oh. But it's not mm-hmm. just clean pay your taxes. It is taxes plus a, a pretty low interest rate, though. It's, it's a pretty low applicable federal rate. But there is interest in the amount of the tax that you owe back. Okay. All right, Do Janet. Time for one more quick one? Sure, go ahead. Okay. I'm self-employed, and uh, they said that I didn't pay enough taxes last year. How much percentage, when I add up for my quarterly, how much percentage of what I make should I send in on my quarterly statements? Well, you're supposed to pay one quarter of your tax liability each quarter, obviously quarterly. And so what you do is you kind of estimate your total year income. You do an actual mini-tax return each quarter. And then you see what you owe. So first quarter at the end of March, that's due on April 15th, you do three months, you know, annualized for the year. You compute your tax just like you were filling out a tax return. Then you divide it by four, and you owe that one quarter installment. And then the second quarter, you you compute your tax for the whole year. You're supposed to be half paid up, so you compute 50% of tax due less what you paid off the first quarter. That amount's due. So it's kind of a rolling computation, but you owe 25% of your total tax liability each quarterly estimate for federal purposes. And the state has a, a corresponding part to it as well. All right, uh, Janet, thanks for calling in. Let's uh, go next to uh, Ed in Hattiesburg this morning. Hello, Ed. You're on the air. Hi. Uh, good morning. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I basically, you know, got into a dumb situation where I didn't pay my taxes one year. Um, I don't. I can't go into all the details. It just sort of happened, and now it's snowballed over a few years. And you know, I want to get back to normal and doing everything. I just took some bad advice, and I'm just trying to like, what would be my best way to, to start about getting it? I mean, I never received anything from well, the IRS, no letters, no nothing. I was going to say, you got you hit on my first question, Ed. I was going to say, now, has the IRS contacted you, which is one scenario, or are you going to do a voluntary disclosure catch-up is the second option. And if the IRS is caught up with you, you know, that's a scenario where you probably need to engage some professional, you know, advice and, and you know, get that fixed as fast as you can. If you just haven't filed a prior tax return and you've got a big amount due and you know about it you can always go and file and there are several ways to get there and what you can you know self-assess and what you can file and even arrange for as i said earlier a payment plan to get yourself fixed uh but that is one of those specific situations to something nancy said earlier it probably makes really good sense to find a professional who has you know filing prior or overdue or back tax returns experience it's not something everybody does everywhere so so when you're screening your tax professional say hey i've got some past due tax returns uh, they may even have a balance due. Uh, can you help me with that? And, and what does that look like? And if they don't give you a, a satisfactory answer that makes you feel comfortable, you know, feel free to move to the next professional who does that, have that experience. Because there's a lot of us out here who do have it. Not everyone does. But I will tell you, get right sooner rather than later because the clock's ticking. And unfortunately, the, the, the penalties and interest grow so fast under the IRS rules. In many cases, it quickly outpaces the amount of tax that would be due. 
And if you've got a good situation, and again, depending on your facts and circumstances, you can ask for an abatement of the penalty. Under good faith, you had bad advice, or your pro gave you bad advice. A lot of different scenarios that let you, you know, cut some of that penalty off. The interest, unfortunately, to, to Nancy's point earlier, is going to be due. Uh, but you have a lot of latitude when you self-assess, as opposed to getting that notice in the mail and they're getting ready to start levying your bank accounts. But get a tax pro; they can help you through that. Uh, a CPA or an EA probably makes some sense if it's a if it's a big amount. If it's a smaller amount, uh, anybody with some good experience can probably help you get uh, get you know compliant. Uh, but certainly they will find you. So I would say get after it faster than later, and don't forget about the state corresponding part. They they're they're pretty quick to catch on to these things too. All right, Ed, uh, we appreciate your call. We're just about out of time. So, um, Mark, I guess uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show, uh, if you're not uh, got your taxes going, uh, now is the time to pretty much think about that uh, in advance of that April 18th deadline. Yeah, we do have a couple of extra days, but don't let that uh, let you get complacent. That's also Easter weekend for uh, the Christian listeners out there, so you may have some other commitments to, to attend to. But uh, 18, 21 days, uh, get after that sooner rather than later. Plenty of time, plenty of help out there in the industry, uh, but no reason to wait. All right. Thanks very much for joining us today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from you, our listeners. And a big thanks to everyone who contributed during our drive last Friday. Uh, the show is produced by Sam Wells, and our call screener today was Java Chapman. So for Nancy Lotridge-Anderson and our guest Mark Stever, I'm Kevin Farrell. Inviting you to stay tuned. Up next, it's In Legal Terms. We'll be back next Tuesday at 9 for another Money Talks that's heard only on MPB Think Radio.